Hello, this is Dan from the show you're listening to. And uh, we went a little long on this episode, so we're going to break it into part one and part two again. It's a little bit over two hours, so we're going to try to break it in about hour-long chunks, hopefully in a way that is narratively uh, fulfilling. Uh, So here's the show. Hey, my name is Dan Grubb, and that is Aaron Fletcher-Smith, and this is the Dan and Aaron Lycorama music? That's it. It's drums. It's drums. Get it? Because yeah, that's some some excellent beatboxing you got there. Thank you. That was yeah. I enjoyed that. Took me back. Uh, in high school marching band, I was on the drum line, and our drum tech, this guy named Stacy, he, uh, I was always really impressed. I remember Stacy. Yeah, yeah Stacy was great. Yeah. I was always really impressed with how quickly he could go digga, 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 digga. Digga, 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 digga. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd be like, okay, uh, snare line. You're going to go digga, 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 And I was like, how do you do that? I could go I could do L's but not D's and G's that's about as fast as I can go the things that impress us I was like yes that is a life goal I should have yeah I that was a that was a very fun little corner of time in the world and I our friend buddy uh, who is out there somewhere, wherever you are. Um, oh, God, I haven't is... talked to him in 20 years. Neither have I. Well, yeah, I, I talked to them very briefly around 2007. I finally found him when I was trying to invite him to uh, my wedding. And, um, like, I had him on a phone call. And yeah, I was like, I, I, I missed you so much. I haven't, I haven't seen you or I, I haven't talked with you in so long. And, and this is like, I think... Um, this was almost eight years at that point uh, after I graduated and then you graduated the year after. Um, yeah. And I just remember being like, it's, it's been so long. We miss you so much. And he was buddy. And, and he just went, yeah, well, uh, yeah, you guys are good too. And then I remember just being like, will you come to my wedding? And, and he was like, where is it? And I was like, it's back in Virginia. And he was like, no, I'm in Texas. <laughs> That's too far. <laughs> hey, good luck getting uh, married, though. Okay, bye. And that was it. Yeah, it was yeah, like, it's about. It sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like there wasn't any bullshit. There wasn't any malice. He was just like, this isn't going to work, and I'm not yeah, going to yeah. waste your time. You know, sounds far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was exactly it. And so he kind of he kind of remains time frozen in the back of my mind in that moment of like yeah yeah nope not coming thanks though <laughs> <laughs> that's oh that's funny yeah so yeah uh speaking of drumline and drummers like buddy and yeah. uh high school which is where i was when i found out about this guy today we're talking about art blakey yeah <laughs> My, uh, uh, I'm a drummer. I played in the high school jazz band, and then I played in 20 other bands. Uh, and of all of the jazz bows, Blakey's my guy. Okay. I have a zillion that I love, mm-hmm. but if you're like, who's your guy? Art Blakey is my guy. Okay. He was and... a drummer. He was a band leader. For uh, a long, long, long time. Let me think. It would have been about 35 years. 30 or 35 years, depending on which album you count. Uh, He led the Jazz Messengers, which was... Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, and it was for about two generations the leading if only training ground for band leaders it was incredible 
Okay. So, so let me back up. So, mm-hmm. oh my God, where do you even start talking about jazz? It's a whole thing. Go watch the Ken Burns thing. It's awesome. <laughs> it really is. It really yeah. is a good one. Yeah. I, I enjoy those Ken Burns shows, but the jazz one is especially good. Yeah. And, and every single, it's one of those things where every single person deserves a 500 page biography yeah not only that but they all cross pollinate and and work with each other and and have done amazing music with each other and there's these side projects that also require like you know two weeks worth of discussion research and 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 due diligence yeah Yeah. it's amazing it's wonderful i love it cross-pollinating exactly i mean for for a while in the 50s there were like i think three musicians and they just played on each other's records (laughs) and that was it it was it was the same i mean you know blue note probably had 50 musicians who played Mm -hmm. on each other's records i'm exaggerating but that's kind of what it felt like because everyone played for everybody. Oh yeah, the Blue Note with, with with Blue Note, it was always like, God, if like if you were to like infographic, if you were to like visualize out who's played on what record that's associated with the Blue Note record label, it would like be a freaking spiderweb. It, it, it's amazing yeah. how much yeah. like uh, carryover there is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's forget the the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like two degrees of anybody uh-huh yeah you're like yep. curtis fuller well he played for our blakey and he played on on Thelonious monk and he played with this guy and he played over here and he played over mm-hmm. here and yeah it's it's wild so yeah um so just to get sort of a i guess we'll start in like a two sentence history and zoom in on who we're talking about so everyone knows what jazz yeah. is it's the one of the few hundred percent american art forms uh, started in New Orleans and uh, evolved from folk music, marches, spirituals into yep. Dixieland. Dixieland was super cool. I enjoy it. I don't like the name Dixieland, but that's what we have. Right. It right. sort of evokes a certain civil war, but yeah. uh, but it is awesome music, and I've been listening to it a lot lately. It's like 1900 to 1925-ish. And it's just upbeat and fast and let's go. And I love yeah. it. It is, it is a musical pet pill. It's great. Um, and those days where you have eight hours of proofreading websites and coding and <laughs> slogging through numbers, you're like, yep. I'm going to put this on so I don't fall asleep at my desk. Yeah. Yeah. This is you. You with jazz is me with soul. Where yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. instrumental soul. Yes, shoot that shit right into my veins. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. Um, so from there, you start getting into the swing stuff. Uh, Fletcher Henderson was a big deal. Uh, he came he, from Fletcher Henderson begets Louis Armstrong, who begets mm. a bunch of people. You know, you get your Count Basie, you get your Duke Ellington, and all of their people start their own things. Right. And. Uh, so then you're in like the the swing era you get to the big band era Mm -hmm. and then you have 18 piece bands up on the bandstand and the older generation your cad calloways your your duke ellingtons your glenn millers they're sort of getting trouble with their younger generation the young guys in their horn sections and whatnot Mm -hmm who starts splitting off and those guys start bebop mm-hmm. and bebop right. is you get four to eight guys in a room and i keep saying guys not because i'm sexist but except with rare exception it was all dudes well it's not because you're that sexist sucks. it's because that era itself was <laughs> yeah the, primarily the 40s sexist. 50s was, and 60s yeah. extremely sexist i mean right. yeah you got your sarah vaughn you got your singers you know your ella yeah. fitzgeralds right. and whatnot but Generally, the musicians were dudes, which sucks. But that's that's what it is. Where you gotta do. Um, so one of these guys in who came up in the bebop era with all these fellas is Art Blakey. 
Yep. So, for jazz drummers, there is... You can... Most of the time, you're just like... Ding, 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 ding. You're just keeping time. Yeah. You'll, and instead of the rock rock and rap and stuff, funk, soul, it's the... Doom, bop, boom, bop, boom, bop, boom. Right. Straight ahead, here's the one, two, three, four. Jazz drummers, you're like... Ding, 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 ding. There was a lot much more going on and you had to pay a hell of a lot more attention to, okay, you know, I'm doing my my dotted eighth and a quarter here. Okay, this part I'm swinging. Okay, now we're going back to straight eighths. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, you're keeping time, but, you know, your your right hand and your left foot have that job handled. The drummer is also a voice. Exactly. It's not, you're not just keeping time, you're also adding to the to the ebb and flow of what's going on you can Mm -hmm. you're helping to accent the beats you're helping to set up other beats you know if you got a big brass hit on four do a do a little roll on two and three to get that four to build up to it and make it loud or do you want to keep it down so it's a big surprise Mm -hmm. it's two different ways of playing the same chart right um and so there's a myriad of different ways to play some folks are more straight ahead some folks are hey look at me some folks are very sort of spacey and uh they leave a lot of empty space for you to sort of sort of get stranded from it and then they bring you back right um there you can do anything with notes you know it's great um and it, there's, it's the most variety that you get basically until the drum machine is invented and you can program stuff that a drummer can't do perfectly. Right, <laughs> which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, but, it I sucks. Mean, it's boring. Yeah. Um, but so, and there's always been superstars of all the different instruments. And most of them, all the, most of the big deals became band leaders. So what makes Art Blakey so good, why I like him so much, is this is a dude who came up with the bebop guys. Yeah. So he starts out, he's with these guys on the cutting edge right. of jazz. Which, right. this is before Elvis, you know, this is before you know uh little richard so it, we don't have rock and roll yet so this right. is this is the exciting stuff this is still straight up just jazz landscape world yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's this or perry como and frank mm-hmm. sinatra right. this is the whoa this is what the what the 18 year olds are into when they're smoking their herbal cigarettes right um and the bebop stuff is it's a little more unpredictable. It's a little more wild. Right. Um, and so he, that's where he comes in. And then as the as the years progress, it seems like every year or every two years is a new revolution in music. Mm-hmm. It's a very exciting time, the 50s and 60s. Very exciting time. And then, well, we'll get to what happens after the 70s. But uh, <laughs> they, he, you start bringing in, you're like, okay, and not just Blakey, but all these guys. And you're like, okay, well, we can do this and we can do this. What else can we do? What if we bring right. in this from the Middle East? What if we bring in this from the Caribbean? What if we yeah. bring in this from Cuba? Yep. What if we bring in this from Africa? Yeah. What if we bring yeah. this from Mexico? You yep. start getting all these different ideas, and it's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, just so many ideas filtered through so many people's brains, and they right. all have just the guts to just make it their personal vision yeah all with the boiler template of how do we make um either um thematic instrument x or um music that sounds like y fit into this kind of overarching um jazz harness like yeah. how do how do we get these two to line up together? Yeah. 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 And it's also the sort of 
something that's weird, like while they were definitely bigger sellers than others, because it's the same small number of musicians playing on each other's albums and backing yeah. each other up, and it's like, right. okay, you know, this one has John Coltrane on the, you know, John Coltrane's name is on this one, and you know, Miles Davis's name is on this one. Right. And, uh, you know, Hank Mobley's name is on this one. And Kurt yeah. and uh, Freddie Hubbard's name is on this one. But if it's, you know, four, ten different albums and there's 15 players between them, right? it's a sort of, here's the general what's going on. They're more snapshots of that year yeah, than they are. exactly. You know, if you look at in the rock world, you're like, okay, well, here's what the kinks were doing from 64, 65, 66, 67. Yeah. Here's what the Beatles were doing, 68, 69, 70. Here's right. what, you know, but this is, you can't, you can see individual songwriters. Oh, yeah. well, this is a, you know, this is a McCoy Tyner song. Yeah. This is a Thelonious Monk song. Yep. You know, this is a Charles Mingus song and you can yeah. see what individual people were doing from year to year, but there's no like here's this band. Yeah, and not only that, but then as a snapshot of this band's evolution because it's like all this cross-pollination. That's such a great word for it. Well, I appreciate it. Um the the other thing that's wild is that then when you look at the when you look at each one of these artists, each one of these artists was part of their 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 wikis or their discographies are 30 to 40 years long oh, and yeah. every 8 to 10 years almost in some cases every 4 to 5 years is another half decade of different sound in the jazz world and yeah. that's the thing that I think is really fantastic is that they're all working with each other they may not be all part of the same band but they all, uh, you know, they float in. They, they'll be, you know, the Art Blakey band. They'll be the Miles Davis band. They'll be Herbie Hancock and the, and, and the so-and-sos, you know. Uh, but they never stick around with the same band for a long yeah. period of time. Because, you know, so-and-so over there in, um, you know, uh, Los Angeles is doing something that I really want to be part of. So I'm going to fly out there for six months, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, or, or you join this person's band. And after a few months, you realize, oh, well, they're just here to get high. Right. I don't want to deal with that. So I'm going to go right. over here. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, you're doing something really experimental and cool. Right, But you're right. hard to work with. So I'm mm. going to sideline over here with these folks who are, you know, their stuff isn't as good as, right. or as exciting, but it's a steady work. And right, I need steady right. work right now because I just had a baby. You know, it's, it's a million <laughs> different things. Yep. And... Like you say, if you look at the discographies for these folks, they'll they'll be on six records a year. Yeah. Yep. Because well, these two, their name is on the cover, and then the other four, they're backing up two different bands. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just and they're all playing each other's songs. You know, if if Freddie Herb if Freddie Hubbard writes a song, or Lee Morgan writes a song. You know, a couple of years later, eight different albums are going to play it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right, right. You know, Dizzy Gillespie writes A Night in Tunisia. 20 people cover it mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. the decade is over. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, and, and they're all completely different. Yeah. It's not like, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to cover this Black Flag song. Oh, it sounds a lot like Black Flag. <laughs> this is like, yeah. well, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a Bud Powell song, but I'm gonna interpret it my way. Yeah. And the chord structure is the same, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna play every other note of the line. And so yeah, there's just so much more nuance and so much more experimentalization that you can do. Yeah. And. It's crazy that it became, starting in the 70s, you know, they, they kind of went a bridge too far in the 70s 
when you got into fusion and free jazz and yeah a yeah. lot of people thought well this is great i'm gonna hang in there and i'm really into this and a lot of people thought i can't ex- i can't access this anymore yep yeah i don't know yep. where to snap i don't know where to tap my foot this is getting mm-hmm. too abstract yeah. And they lost yeah. a lot of stuff. It's also the 70s. Frankly, jazz music was black music, generally, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. country was white music, generally. Mm-hmm. And you had soul. Motown was the biggest label on the planet. Yeah. Maybe not in sales, but in cultural impact. Right. Yep, and exactly. you had funk coming up. You had R&B happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, by the end of the decade, you got hip hop. Yeah. And yeah. hip, I mean, talk about another genre that reinvents itself every five yeah. or six minutes. Oh, my God. Dear yeah. God. Absolutely. You can listen yeah. to a, if it's a, a rap song you've never heard, you can listen to it and be like, I bet that's 1987. And mm-hmm. you'll be pretty close. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. it's so fastly evolving. Yep just like jazz was from yeah. the especially 40s 50s also I'm really 60s. glad I'm really glad that you said what you did though about um, fusion and free jazz because that's one of those where I um, I remember so I, I took this outstanding uh, history of jazz class back while I was in college and actually got taught by um, dr. David Baker who uh, was a trombonist during the same era that we're talking about, the 1940s, oh, 1950s, cool. 1960s. And he briefly played with Davis. He briefly played with Coltrane. Wow. He was actually a, yeah, he was a Fimeo Alpha Symphonia brother, which I also was. Nice. Um, his, it was It was probably the best extracurricular course I think I've ever, ever taken. <laughs> and, um, I'd say I mean, so. Yeah. I what mean, was they're, his they're, name again? David Baker. Uh, he's a Baker. trombonist okay. that went on later to be a, um, a, a a violinist and a cellist, but um, because he was in a car accident at some point and he had to relearn how to play music, and so he couldn't do the trombone anymore. So he became uh, he he started doing jazz with strings. Um, anyway, hmm. the um, the thing that I remember from taking that history of jazz course was I remember getting I remember us getting collectively to the 1970s and the 1980s and. Birdland and some of the the John Zorn stuff, and I just remember feeling like I, you know, <laughs> I can understand. Yeah, why. That's quite a jump. Yeah, but to I go mean, from you, Birdland to John Zorn, yeah, that's well, a right. Jump. But I mean, you know, they're, <laughs> that's they're, fifty they're, years. <laughs> wait a minute. No, I, maybe I'm saying the wrong. No, I'm saying Birdland the wrong was thing. the club in New York. No, I'm saying the wrong thing. There's a song. That came out, which was a jazz fusion song, oh, which was oh, called. Oh. It was like Birdland, Birdland, and it was okay, it was a mind. jazz fusion song that was done in the seventies. Not not the not the club, but um, and it, it, he played it for us, and and he he, you know, kind of date marked it like 1972, 1973 at the same, you know, and he was like contemporaneous to this. You got John Zorn doing this weird stuff with free jazz. And I just remember kind of the thing that kept going through my head was, okay, well, it kind of feels like the talent was emptying out of the jazz world and falling Mm. into where everyone else was doing everything else that was new and interesting, like soul and like disco and like funk, right? Because why keep doing... Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the era of... I mean, disco and funk had 17 horn players per song. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, yeah, it was big. I also, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, Not with, to disparage free jazz or fusion. There's, I mean, there's some amazing stuff out there. It is, but it's not really that accessible. Right. That's to exactly. Most, to almost, you know, to the, if you're into it, you're into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's like... I'm trying to think of something. I don't want to insult it. And I don't no. want to insult anyone else accidentally. Right. But it's kind of like, you know, very few people are like really into Enya. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. you are, you're really into it. Right. You right. know, or, you know, I, I, I got a record. Of, I interviewed the guy from Gogo Bordello 
uh, Eugene Hoots. Mm-hmm. And he, he was like, oh, if you like this, here's a few bands you should listen to. I listened to one right. of them, uh, Teref Tehaiduks. I think they're mm-hmm. Turkish. And it's, if you're, you know, white guy from Virginia, yeah. it's not the most accessible music in the world. It's right. extremely Slavic. Yeah, <laughs> But right, holy right. crap, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Free jazz, um, in, in, in my opinion, is the audio like equivalent. That. Yeah, free, free jazz, in my opinion, is the audio equivalent of, like, going to the um, Museum of Art and you go through... Uh, mm. all, all of the amazing landscape artists and all of the amazing portrait artists and and you're walking through you know kind of chronologically the history of, of you know classic painting art and stuff like that and then you get to um, you know like here's modern art oh and over here in the side of the modern art we have 20 paintings which were you know uh, by this one artist who is an interpretive artist that only paints, you know, the color red across a, you know, six right. foot by eight foot canvas. And, you know, you look in there and you go, okay, all yeah. right, well, Bunch I mean. red, got it. Yeah, this, that's also okay. art, got it, okay. But, you know, yeah. it, is, it is exactly that. not you know? for me. Yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, I, I, I try to frame stuff as, you know what, not my cup of tea. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. It's not but, uh, my if, thing, if but there may be it, thing people it. out there that might dig it. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I, anyway, so it's that's... funny. I catch myself saying stuff like dig it. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. I'm the squarest person alive. I also use yeah. the word square. Got it. I'm okay. <laughs> I was I, uncool before I was born. That's I, <laughs> I think. I think for the course of us doing this episode... I think that we can kind of, you and I together, uh, give ourselves maybe like a wee bit of a pass in saying that we dig things, you know, (laughs) Uh, I I, I feel like that's allowable at least right now, you know, I'm hep (laughs) daddy-o. I think you've now pushed the boundaries a little bit further than you should have. (laughs) So anyway, so yeah, jazz is a... It's huge and vast and numerous, and it, I think the uh, equivalence to modern art is spot on. It's, you know, 20th century contemporary art, there is something for everybody. Right. There's also a lot of it that's not for you, mm-hmm. and that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Art Blakey specifically, what draws me to him is partly because it's in an era that was radically evolving. His band was radically evolving. Right. Because the... I don't think it started out this way as, like, a manifesto. Yeah. But the Jazz Messengers, and you hear it on their first recording in 54, uh, live at Birdland, uh, back when... Horace Silver co-led it. Yeah. Um, he's on the mic and he's like, Yes, sir, I'm going to stay with the youngsters. When these get too old, I'm going to get some younger ones. <laughs> Keeps the mind active. <laughs> you know, they make me work. Mm-hmm. And uh, But people would kind of graduate out of the messengers and yeah. start their own bands. And go do other things, yeah, right, And right. so many of them became band leaders in their own right. Mm-hmm. It's just astounding. Yeah. Um, and but so, like, I respect the hell out of that. But what I like about him as a drummer and as a music fan, it's, it's so exciting. He's just an exciting player. Mm-hmm. You okay. don't know what's coming, right? Um, but you know it's gonna be exciting, loud, tense. Yeah, there's a lot of tension, especially in like the '60s. Yeah, there's a lot of tension. His playing's really frenetic, and he's not afraid of jumping too. That's the other thing I think is really fa- fantastic in what songs I am familiar with with the uh, Art Blakey stuff is that um, he'll do a lick. Or, like, you know, he'll do a chunk of melody, and then he'll go in a completely different direction. Now, admittedly, 
you know, he's jumping modally, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. so so it sounds right. Um, right. But it it's all of a sudden you're listening to a second mini piece within the piece itself. And you go, what? Huh? Okay. Yeah. You know, it's really neat for that. It, it uh, what that especially makes me think of, mostly because it's been stuck in my head all day mm. uh, as I've been researching, is my favorite Art Blakey song is Free For All. It's one of my favorite songs ever made. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the main lick, it's just all the horns together going... it's very tense and the drums build and build and and it's just like the you've got the piano rhythm the piano and bass are doing one thing and then the drums on the cymbal he's going everything else is playing in four he's right he's hitting the ride in three but the rest of the drums are in four and as you're like wait a minute something's off here and then all these all the brass comes in and it's like and they repeat it and then they sort of go and they take turns doing solos like you do. Right. And the horns are doing all their solos. But while they're doing the solos, the rest of them are still going in the background, mm-hmm. playing quieter, but just as hard. Right. And it's still tense and it's dissonant. There's so much noise mm-hmm. and you don't realize it, but you've, you're like, wait a minute. I'm like clenching my fists because it's so <laughs> tense. And right. then right when you notice that, it flips to the to the bridge. It's like and it's like, oh okay, it's light and airy for a second, but it's just long enough to catch your breath. And then it goes back in, you're like, oh God, here we go again. so right. good it just gets my blood pumping yeah and so it's you have that and i forget how i got into oh because you were talking about the uh um the different sections yeah 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 and just the so those two the the dark tension and then the the airy light-hearted jaunt ping-ponging off each other right yep it's so and- good and what he did to get that, he played so loud. You see video of him, and his hands are up at his shoulders. Like, ba 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 His hands are way up at his shoulders, bringing the sticks down. Mm, he okay. Is, he is destroying this stuff. He's fighting. <laughs> He's fighting with the drums. He's, He's just not beating the shit him. out of the drums. He's <laughs> dominating. Yeah. And there's a story. Uh, um, there was a one of the jazz magazines did a tribute to him a few years after he died. Yeah. And uh, Branford Marsalis, big famous saxophone player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking about him and Wynton Marsalis joined in 1980. Okay. Uh, uh, Winton stayed in longer than Branford. Right. But uh, but he was talking about they were they were recording an album, and they were in the studio, and Blakey was playing so loud that yeah. Branford he had his horn right up against the mic, and you couldn't hear him. 
because Blakey was so damn loud on these drums. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so, rather than accommodate this young mm-hmm. player who is mm. just starting out in the big leagues, right. right? They went outside in an alley, and Blakey chewed him out. Oh, this comes into some of the crazy shit where um, uh, um, Blakey is also very much like, "Don't get in my way." This is the other part. No, that no, I no, not no? not don't get in my way, but where are you? Like we're over here, and you're being is like you're being a little boy. You need to be uh, a man. And he chewed him out like, if you can't get, if you can't be heard, then you can't be here. Oh, yeah. And he said he chewed him out and made him feel like the smallest, tiniest <laughs> little child. He was like, you know, this this big deal guy who, mm-hmm. since you were born, has been a band leader. Right. Is telling you that if you can't, do twice as good than go home (laughs) it's like oh god (laughs) and he says like but you know what we went back in the studio and the next take you heard me (laughs) that's and he pushed them and i mean just sheer volume you had to be pushed to be to be picked up right he was so larger than life he just he's like it's an atmosphere that he creates on the record. And so they're was, not all tense and exciting. There's ballads. Sometimes it's quite lovely. There's right. slow things. There's straight ahead swing songs. But he can just make you jaw drop. Just like, what did he do? Oh, right. my God. So I was saying the wrong thing when I, when I, when I said bullying, but... I guess, you know, more so the, the thing I do remember from learning about Blakey and then and then hearing stories about him is is that it was that. Yeah, it was it was that overpowering like you need to get to my level because I'm not coming down to yours. Exactly. Exactly. There's no hand holding. Right you're here or you're not here. Right. And then there's there's stories from that era of a lot of the other band leads doing very similar things, right? Davis does that. Um, uh, yeah. I think Coltrane, um, where they, they were just like, you know, if you've arrived at this point and you are hanging out with a bunch of us and you are intend to make music, you better do it the way that we're doing it. Uh, otherwise, we don't want you around. Yeah, if you're going to show up, show up. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Show and- me up up. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've played pickup in, you know, jazz bands in a, in a bar mm-hmm. here or a club mm-hmm. there, and they'll, you know, let you come in and sit down. And, you know, if, if, if you don't show up, then you don't show up, and mm-hmm. you're not going to show up next week. They'd be like, right. oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, we're good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but more about how he is, his... I love this quote. Max Roach, maybe the best drummer. Max Roach is incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible drummer. Um, probably the most musical drummer. Yeah. Any, but he said, so he's, you know, certified big deal. Yeah, right. Max Roach said about Art Blakey, he said he was an, he was an original. He said, the only drummer whose time I recognize immediately is Art Blakey. Mm. And I said, yes, because whether just from the distortion and the oh of his ride, his ride symbol, he's you don't hear the ding, 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 ding. You hear because he's hitting so damn hard and so fast. That's what I was going to ask you, because, you know, I I know a little bit about cymbals and drum sets from you. Um, yeah, what I was going to ask was, um, is that because he's using, uh, a larger ride symbol? Like, is he using something like one of the, uh, the, the ones where they've got the, with the, the thin cap and then the, the wide ride on, on the edge. So it's larger and more brash, or is it just, he's beating the shit out of it? It was, it was just his power. Huh. Okay. It was just yeah. sheer power. And I, I don't mean power like brute force. 
mm-hmm. but just the way that he held himself yeah. was just different from other guys. Right. You know, and it's not that he wasn't artistic and he or that he wasn't, you know, musical and displaying, you know, something melodic in his playing. It was that right. he was just tougher. Yeah. He was just more powerful. Hmm. Um, his ride, unless it was actually a ballad, his ride was fast. Um, he was doing a lot of polyrhythmic stuff. Okay. Um, instead of like ding 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 be like ding 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 you know so getting as much lick constantly yeah right getting as much lick into the four four time sequence as he could yeah and changing it up so you know each measure was different than the last yeah or maybe he'll do a four bar rhythm that was repeated in uh in a high school jazz band we had one song that was a tribute to Blakey mm-hmm. and the person who wrote the chart uh, actually wrote in one of his classic uh, rhythms. And, and so the ride, and if you're not a drummer, this, the, a drum set, you have your snare, pop, 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 the bass, right. boom, 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 your toms, dung, 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 dung. Your hi-hat is... Mm-hmm. And then your crash... And your ride. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's your drum set. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the ride cymbal has a little dome in the middle that sounds kind of like a cowbell. ding 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 Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this song had the dome of the ride going... Ging, 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 ging. Actually, I'll snap the time. So this is... That's your one, two, three, four. Okay. All right. Ding, ding, da, ding, 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 da, 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 ding. Oh wow. So it's playing off the triplets. Right. It's doing triplets, but then you switch it so it sounds kind of like a five four, like a five eight or a seven eight kind of a deal. Right, but it right. says triplets, and then you play the but flip side of the triplet. And it's not all the triplet though, because it's chunks of the triplet. It's because I was listening as you were doing it, and it's like, it's like one two, but not three, and then another space a two three. Yeah, that or, yeah. or rest a two three. Yeah, that's really like wild. That's your triplets. Triplet, mm-hmm. triplet, 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 triplet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, and so that's on, that's your right hand. Mm-hmm. Your left hand is going boom, 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 on the toms. I love it. I just, I love the interconnectedness of it because that, like, that's my favorite thing is, you know, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Your left foot is the one that. Mm-hmm. on the on the hi-hats right and the right i forget what the right was doing but it was something else different so all four limbs are doing something totally different mm-hmm. and so you get this ding yeah. it's this whole thing and mm-hmm. you know i'm 16 doing this in front of 400 right. parents and i'm like yeah this is great i love this this is fun <laughs> But that was an Art Blakey beat. You did a hell of a job. I do remember fun. being at a few of those. those <laughs> <get> <laughs> um, so, so his his simple hand is like that. His snare, if you're a rock guy, or you know funk or hip hop, the snare is just bop, 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 mm-hmm. bop. Okay, fine. Right, right. A lot of jazz guys they'll do the snare like bop, bop. They're kind of all over the place, just filling mm-hmm. in, making noise. Right, 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 right. Blakey, he'll do that. He'll do the same bounciness, but he'll mm-hmm. be whomping on this thing. 
Yeah. So it's like ba ba boom ba 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 boom boom ba ba boom 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 ba ba boom. Just like, and then he'll go, he'll do a roll, and he's doing the drum roll. But most people, when they're doing a roll, your hands are moving, you know, three inches up and down. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. doing a roll where their hands are moving like nine inches or a foot up and down. <laughs> Just, and that like, comes back to that thing that you were talking about where. He's playing from the shoulders, and he's just wailing on the drum set yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his That's bass so drum, you know, your right foot, the bass unless you're lefty, whatever. So you're, right. the bass drum, most folks, it's either four on the floor, boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. Or right. they're doing little accents. Right, right. Um, or, you know, the, or they'll do like one and three, and then drop an accent sometimes call it yeah. some people call it dropping bombs um but he will he'll switch it up and it's all over the place he'll he'll do a boom 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 he's doing triplets he's doing quarters he's doing accents he's doing nothing he's doing double time it's it's right but it's always big it's always right yeah. there right right um and so these are all that by itself he's unusual he's bigger he's sort mm-hmm. of he's a little bit larger than life but then right he's doing stuff that no one else in quote unquote the west was doing mm-hmm. right right he's hitting he's using the sides of the drums as instruments He's using uh, the shells yeah. right. as, yeah, yeah, yeah. as an instrument. He's, uh, he would take his elbow and lean on a tom mm-hmm. to change the pitch of it. <laughs> right, so, so goes, instead of getting oh, a... Is, uh, oh, what song was it? Was it Mosaic? or It might have been Night in... I think it's Night in Tunisia. He leans on the tom and he's playing with his other hand. So it goes... Yeah. No, no, no. It was off of Birdland. It was, it was one of the... Okay. Because I remember it was a live track. It was like... Right, so and he goes back to just time. Right, it's right. It's beautiful. <laughs> and, and it's so simple. And you're like... Yeah. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, right, right. And but his my favorite but he was also a total showman. And mm-hmm. he would he'd be wrapping up his drum solo. Yeah. And on the record you hear bah! That's all you hear. It's just this right. loud noise. But you watch tape of him mm-hmm. and he's doing in drumline, if you're on quads, that's with the four mm-hmm. little drums, there's a thing yep, called a yep. butterfly. Okay. And what you do is the two drums in front of you are the highest, and the two mm-hmm. drums to your sides are lower. Right. So go, dun, 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 dun. And you take your right hand, so from right, left, right, left. Yeah. Right front is your one. Right, mm-hmm. left is two, right, back is three, left, back is four. Right. Dunk, 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 dunk. One, two, three, four. So, slowed down, your right hand goes two, four, your left hand goes one, three, and then your right hand comes back under and goes one, three, and your left hand goes two, four, two, four, one, three, two, four, two, four, one, th- and you're doing, and you're doing diddles. You mm-hmm. Right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, right, left. and That's playing the... off the bounce to get another strike out of it. But okay. you're doing it in a way so that your arms are going hand over hand, and it looks like a butterfly. That's freaking awesome! And it's a vis, <laughs> it's a visual, and you go, and your hands are doing this whole thing. It looks like karate or something. Right, right. Oh, he was doing that awesome. on the drum set. Yeah. And there's a video. He was on the Cosby Show. There's an episode yeah. where uh, Cliff's dad, the his old jazz band, was having a reunion show. 
I do remember that. And he was yeah. slide Huxtable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that episode, uh, the drummer is Art Blakey. <laughs> and awesome. he's in the back. And he's, at that point, he was about 70, and he yeah. looked about 95. Because <laughs> he did not take care of himself. Right, right. But he's, he's doing a solo, but he's... And he crosses his arms, so one, his right hand is on the snare, and his left hand is on the floor top, and he goes, and it's just like, how is this giant noise coming out of this shriveled up little old man? (laughs) Oh, because that's Art Blakey. Right, right, right. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) And and the other thing that he does that, once you hear it, you hear it all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially during the solos, but sometimes in, a, in the rest of the song, you'll hear it pop up. Mm. The dude growls. I have heard that. I know exactly what you're you talking hear, about. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. I know you exactly hear what in you're the talking about. Growling. Yep, 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 yeah. I'm not sure whether it's him on another album or what, but um, yeah, occasionally you'll hear him, you'll hear him, with his voice, playing the uh, the bits that he's that he's about to play. Yeah, and he'll be like, and and he's doing, he's grunting what he's about to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yep. The only other, I mean, I'm sure someone's done it. The only other drummer I can think of who did it was Keith Moon. Uh, there yeah. Was a, there was a record. I forget which record it was, but the Who were recording something, and Keith Moon was so out of his head on drugs that he couldn't remember <laughs> recording it. And he was yelling at Pete Townsend. He was yelling and screaming, how, why did you... What drummer did you hire to play instead of me? How dare you? What's the matter with you? This, I'm your dr-. And he's like, no. And he played it. And he's like, look, it's you. It's you. He goes, how do I know that's me? It's like, because you're yelling. <laughs> <laughs> because that's you loud now. <laughs> that's, that's you going, ah, in the background. That's how I know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. That's so funny. But it's like... But Blakey does that too, and it's like, it's like he's hungry for the drums. Yeah, right. He's right. he's working them into submission. It's just yeah. amazing. Right. And I'm the least macho guy you'll ever meet, but oh my god, I love that. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. that is my only flavor of macho is right. when I get behind some drums. I'm like drum macho. Well, you know gonna, that's a. I'm gonna destroy you now. Yeah. <laughs> Can you um, play quieter? Why would I do that? Uh, I was in a jazz trio a few years ago. A little me and a piano player and a bass player. They were great. Love them. Terrific guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I, I had to use brushes because we would be playing in a bar with 50 people hanging out. Yeah. And I had to use brushes or, or I would be the only thing in the bar that you heard. <laughs> you know that, that that makes a lot of sense yeah and like oh, yeah. i and and you know it, it gave me license to be a lot sillier with what i played too so that was mm-hmm. fun no um so oh something else that they did um speaking of live at birdland yeah uh so it was it's a three volume set Right. They were all released. I think they were all released in 54. It was recorded mm-hmm. in 54. As, uh, was it under Art Blake? I think it was under Art Blake. I don't think they had the messenger's name by then. Yeah. Um, it's just live at Birdland. And volume one starts with something that was sampled. Do you remember the song Cantaloupe by Us Three? Yeah. Yeah. Flip Fantasia. Dick Trip. Flip Fantasia. Yeah, yep. and they sample uh, Herbie Hancock's Cantaloupe Island. 
Anyway, so the beginning of that track, they sample the beginning of Lila Birdland, the first what would become the Jazz Messengers album. And it's the it's the doorman slash MC who worked there, Pee Wee Marquette. Special down here at Birdland this evening, a recording for Blue Note Records. Pock. Yeah, and that's that opening for uh, for US three. For yeah, us yeah, three, yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. how Cantaloupe starts. Uh, right. So that is how Live at Birdland starts, and mm-hmm. and then he talks about you know a recording for Blue Note Records. Yeah. And he talks about you know uh, Art Blakey with. Uh, and I just, I love the way that he says it, with Clifford Brown, <laughs> Horace Silver, piano, Lou Donaldson, alto sax, or tenor sax, I think. Anyway, so that's one of my favorite records that they did. It's the Live at Birdland record. I love, yeah. love, love that one. Yeah. Um, and that's where he talks about, between a couple songs, he's like, yeah, I like playing with these young people. I'm going to keep playing with young people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Night in Tunisia is, oh my God, a great record. Um, that was, he, he actually recorded two albums called A Night in Tunisia, one in 57 and one in 60. The one in 1960, I think is awesome. That was a, right. uh, Night in Tunisia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's just an incredible, incredible, incredible song. Um, Monin yeah. from 1959. Yeah. It's a piano. Yeah. And then the horns. Great song. I got my I got my trio to play that and they flipped. They loved it. I am super glad that you're you're telling me that that you and i are having this conversation because um uh my youngest amelia and i we've been listening to um she she recently she's been like can you can you play some some jazz and some blues musicians for me i want to know you know all about it and so yeah and so yeah so um i think art blakey is going to be the next one that i'm going to uh dig up on uh itunes and um because there's there's bits of Art Blakey itself, and then there's bits of the. Oh, I'm sorry. There's bits of the songs that you were. <laughs> there's bits of the songs that you were humming, where I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I reckon I remember that one. I remember this one, um, where I, I got to go back and listen to this now, or I got to go back and listen to Blakey and just just set it on shuffle, and, yeah, 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 and yeah, lose yeah. myself in his world again for a while. Absolutely, yeah. Or, you know, get on YouTube and let the algorithm take you away, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Dat Dare, off of The Big Beat, 1960s, really good. Mm. Uh, 1961, a song called A La Mode, I really like. This album I love. It was uh, it was on Impulse Records instead of Blue Note, okay. and so it's like five exclamation points, Impulse, five exclamation points, Art Blakey, five exclamation <laughs> points, Jazz Messengers, five exclamation <laughs> points. And you're well, like, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> and then the picture of him under it is him like one hand hitting the snare, the other hand up, and he's looking up at the ceiling like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, cool. I'm listening to this. I will play this album. I um, am excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mosaic is a really good one. That's another one. It starts out the first like five seconds or one song, and then it goes yeah. into another song. It's like the trumpets blah, da, 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 da,
Oh man, it sounds like it sounds like uh I don't know, it's like the jazz version of like cowboys and Indians coming after you. Right, right. Oh, it's so good. Um Ugetsu in '63 was a live album from Japan that was really good. Just oh, such a great, great, great record. Um, 1970s Roots and Herbs, which I completely love, but 1964 Free for All is just—it's 11 minutes of like, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. The only song I can think of that's just one long extended. Tense, 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 relief. Tense, tense, I, tense, 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 release. Tense, 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 yeah. tense, tense, release. I got to I gotta go back and listen to Free For All again. Free For All I remember incredible. that one being amazing. Yeah. Um, Charles Mingus's version of, um, oh, God, um, Monin. So, so Mingus, Charles Mingus, that guy was gone that guy was crazy bass player phenomenal 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 love right. charles mingus right. um he was like oh you're doing this i'm doing this come over here to my country <laughs> in my dimension on my right. planet we're doing this but he did moaning mm-hmm. bears no resemblance to the art blakey moaning yeah but it's um it it's all these different lines, the yeah. piano line and the bass line and the saxophones. It starts with just it's like baritone sax. Right. And the, the hi-hat comes in. And the the horns come in. And like they keep adding more and more layers on top of it, and the trumpet yeah, gets yeah. on there and starts going crazy, and it builds and right. builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And builds. It's, like, <laughs> it's just this mess, this morass, and all these right. like. T- tentacles and tendrils of this song are crawling all over your brain and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it goes and it's like it's ready to max out and then it just starts into this pleasant song okay right okay okay oh no it's back again it's gonna come get me oh man it's amazing i love it i love it i love it it's so good yeah um Oh, something I forgot about the dude um, from Birdland, uh, Pee Wee Marquette. First of all, I always thought it was a woman. It's a dude. Okay. He's like four feet right. tall, so he's a small guy. Okay. Um, right. I don't think... Anyway, by all accounts, this is just one of a zillion little jazz anecdotes. By all... By, I should say, most accounts... Mm-hmm. This is all in the realm of alleged. Okay. All right. Total asshole. Ah. Uh, exactly for, what I, he did was right. he, if you were playing a Birdland, he mm-hmm. needed a tip. You had to give oh. him a tip. Ah, uh, that's not cool. <laughs> if you didn't give him a tip, he would forget your name. He mm. would mispronounce your name when he's announcing you he would blow cigar smoke in your face while you're Mm -hmm. getting ready to play he would tell you to go home why are you here go home (laughs) Uh, i'm headlining (laughs) go home what are you doing here what a jerk that's all kinds of crap like this right right but it's funny but entirely if you give him a tip all of a sudden he's your pal he gives you yeah. a great introduction. Total professional. Oh, fuck. Welcome back anytime. Come up. But you had to give him his tip. 
And these guys barely <laughs> had the money. I mean, they were there because they were starving jazz musicians. So. Well, he was there because he's a doorman. Yeah, right, right. And he knew he could make the money <laughs> off of it. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Uh, That's funny. So, uh, and I mean, and it's, like I say, it's just there's a million of these anecdotes. Mm-hmm. Hey, me again. So that's the end of part one of the Art Blakey episode. Part two will be up in a couple of weeks. So I would say stay tuned, but that would be weird for you to stare at the podcatcher. Um, so go get a hobby or uh, start, I don't know, start a compost bin. Maybe in a couple of weeks you'll make some progress. Try one of those ship in a bottles, maybe. Those sound neat. That seemed like a pretty uh, skillful task you could pick up and we'll be back in two weeks all right ta-ta